The Daily Perspective is number 13 in Feedspot's Top 25 Christian Men podcast, but I'd like to get to number one. So what I need you to do is go to transistor.fm forward slash daily perspective and subscribe. Also, share it with someone that you think will enjoy this podcast. Now let's get down to business. I was born for his service. He filled me with purpose. Take your time while you worship him. I'm unplugged from the matrix. Believe without seeing, I'm plugged into the matrix. The daily perspective. Welcome to the show that gives it to you with no fluff. Real Christianity and all that good stuff. Welcome to the Daily Perspective, and I'm your host, Mr. Daily. So I'd like to welcome you to another week, another episode. And um, it's been a it's been an interesting week. Um because I was contemplating what I was gonna talk talk about on this episode. Um I realized and uh, a friend a friend kind of hit me up and said uh, you're not being yourself um, you know you're trying to do all this current affairs stuff and you're trying to do uh, certain things that just didn't really fit with the vision that you had for the daily perspective when you when you told me about it so I kind of felt hotted up kind of felt like man I just got put in my place but I knew it was coming from a place of love so I thought well, let me let me try and be true to to what I set out to do when I launched this podcast. Now I know we've been on a, on a bit of a journey because we started off with the Daily Perspective hosting what has now become Imperfectly Human. Um, then I took it over and went back to the solo thing, and we've been rocking together for a couple of months, a few months now, doing this solo thing. Um, I think we're doing pretty good, but. Um, I want to try and give you my I want to try and make sure I'm giving you my authentic self Make sure I'm giving you the real me The real Mr. Daly That's not to say what you got in the other episodes Wasn't the real me That was the real me Because I, I don't pull I'm not pulling out punches I'm telling you the truth I'm telling you how I feel um, But What I wanted to do is Kind of reflect You know The Daily Perspective was supposed to be My perspective My view On things that are happening in real life uh, my experiences, the things that I've been through, and um, one of the things that I wanted to share about um, was just this senseless violence that we've got going on in the world. But before we get into the episode, before we really dig into things. Um, I want to give a shout out to everyone that's listening on Spotify, on um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, TuneIn, SoundCloud, wherever you may be listening to this. I want to shout you out and show you my appreciation, show you um, a bit of gratitude for you tuning in and um, constantly rocking with me. So, um, like I said, I wanted to talk about this whole senseless violence thing and it's crazy because I think the, the violence has kind of escalated over um, the last, I don't know, last 10 years, I'd probably say that just the level of violent crime um, has gone up. And I know the media likes to portray this thing of it's uh, the black community, knife crime in the black community. You've, got, um, all, you've always had all the different 
police operations that focus on knife crime or violent crime within the black community but black people do not own them they do not have the monopoly on on violent crime violent crime affects every community it affects the white community the asian community the black community the um oriental community whatever it may be eastern european whatever um we are all victims of violent crime and i guess violent crime is born out of um and there was uh, look you can't actually you can't pinpoint what drives violent crime but i i will say that there are some standard contributory factors to violent crime um of course there is gang culture gang culture is again not something that the black community have the monopoly on so let's set the record straight this is not a black thing um you've got and and this has been so growing up in the 90s this this was well known um you had white gangs um you had black gangs asian gangs um oriental gangs you had the younger triad gangs whatever you had all you had different gangs and they used to link up in places and they would fight and someone would get stabbed and someone would get hurt this is not this is not new now what is new to the uk is the 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 use of just level of gun violence that's that's new it was not a gun violence thing i remember when i was growing up the 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 worst thing the, the thing you feared the most was getting shanked by someone um you knew there was a possibility that you could get rushed you knew that uh there was a possibility that someone would bottle you um worst case scenario if the fight got out of hand someone may do the cowardly thing and shank you that was kind of that that was the limits no one ever felt you know that they would be a victim of a drive by or anything like that you knew that you left you kind of you kind of had this notion that you left the fight another day um but that's all all that's changed all that's changed the um, pe- people are drawing for guns people are talking about un, uh, you know emptying clips um just stupid chatter in, in my opinion um it's you know I, I love it there was a scene in friday and um the dad said to and john witherspoon who played the dad said to ice cube said you know you don't need a gun all you need is all you need is this in my day this is what made a man and he and he held up his fist and i i get it i acknowledge that because yeah um you know even just back in gladiators that whole thing it was about if you really wanted to measure you know strength you you rocked with your fist <laughs> i'm gonna knock you out i'm gonna put you on your back that was that's that's how it was done but suddenly we've gone to this thing where people want to use just constantly use weapons um people want to kill each other i'm just i'm blown away by just the the you know the lack of value that people put on lives at the moment 
But um, anyway, going back to going back to what I was saying, there are a number of contributory factors. Gang culture is one of them. Every culture has gangs. Um, you have the posh white gangs. <laughs> You've got the um, you had the East End gangs that were predominantly white. You had the National Front. That's a gang, a racist white gang. Um, Hell's Angels. You. You had gangs in every every culture. And the way that the media likes to portray this thing is that gang culture is kind of like this thing that only exists within black communities and Asian communities and so on. But gang culture existed in every culture from a very long time ago. So let's 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 just put that out there. So gang culture is one of the things, and I'm not saying I'm not denying that there are black gangs. There are, and there are, like I said, there are gangs in every culture. Um, another thing is um, the economic factors. Um, you tend to find higher violence in poorer communities because poorer communities tend to have more. Um, drugs and illicit activities going on uh people doing things that require them to protect their territory or whatever their uh their patch whatever that you want to call it they have to defend their ends now that is what you hear a lot of people saying oh you know that you know i have to protect my ends man this is my ends and no man can come to my ends and do whatever that stuff that stuff is not new the level of violence used to protect the ends now is what is new and what is crazy and off the chart. Again, this is not a justification for physical violence towards anyone. It is an explanation of some of the contributory factors to that have gotten us to where we are today. Um, the other angle, um, just... Again, culture, well, I don't want to say culture, but they say life imitates art and art imitates life. We have a lot of music that glorifies what happens in the dark. What I mean by this, the stuff that happens in the shadows. There are a lot of people that have made it out of the shadows and are in the spotlight and they are making music or they are making films or they're making things that glorify the lifestyle that they had prior to their success rather than doing it in a way where they are explaining the driving factors the the, the things that drove them to that lifestyle and talking about how they felt whilst they were living that life and how they feel being out of that life they talk about that life as though it was something glamorous and something that everyone should, you know, every that makes people want to aspire to be this thug or be this gangster or be this pimp, whatever it may be. So people start to emulate what they hear in the music. The fact, the other factor that people don't really talk about is fear and that's something that I'm going to speak about today I'm not ashamed to say that I am I was a victim of fear in my youth when it came to violence so 
when I was growing up, I was 14, 15. I was walking around like I was Rambo. What I mean is I had a switchblade and I had an air pistol. Not proud of it. Um, probably the dumbest thing that I'd, I I could say that I'm, well, <laughs> one of the dumbest things that I'd ever done in my life. Um, but there was this level of fear that you could be attacked. Um, and the thing, the, the, this is the funny thing. I would have never, I would, I, I'm not the sort of person that would have ever used those things. But I carried them thinking if something ever happened, well, if I flash the blade, then uh, the people won't, you know, they'd back off or whatever. They, they, won't, they wouldn't try and do anything to me. <clears throat> Wrong. If you flash a blade, you're more than likely, statistics will show that most people that get stabbed, most people that get shot, tend to get stabbed and shot with their own weapons. So carrying a blade and all those things just leads to more it leads to it leads to more violence it leads to you being a victim of violence the very thing that you are trying to avoid is something that you end up being a victim of and you know you you, you don't want to get stabbed but because you pull out a blade and flash a blade you tend to end up getting stabbed with that blade now let me be clear, my period of, tr of trying to act a certain way did not last very long. Um, I think within a, a few days of having these things, I was throwing them into the Thames because I couldn't reconcile these things with me. That doesn't mean that the fear did, that doesn't mean that the fear went away. So those things were probably more of a factor from peer pressure, um, things that people had said to me about, oh, this is how, you know, you could protect yourself this way, this and that. But the reality was it didn't sit with me. It didn't sit with my spirit. It didn't sit with the sort of person that I was. I was a child that was raised in the church. So again, I had a different outlook. So what did I do? How did I overcome this fear? How did I deal with this pressure to conform? And that's what that, you know, that's what the pressure was. The pressure was to conform and to be like everyone else, to do what everyone else was doing, to protect yourself the same way that everyone else was protecting themselves. The, the, well, the only way that I knew to do to deal with it was to pour myself into something else. I had a good friend um, and he was into athletics um, who also shared, who shared a similar fear because I know that he had tools, um, but we poured ourselves into our sport. Not only that, um, again, there, uh, I have to shout out, um, Pastor Hayden Wood, who was my pastor when I was a kid growing up, he he protected he protected us, and the way he protected us was just by being there and just an outpouring of love. 
he he would come to our house and pick us up and we would go to youth club play badminton um have bible study and i had a place to escape to the other the other thing that played a major part in keeping me out of this stuff and keeping me safe and making me feel safe was just my family environment my home environment my parents were not so lax that I could be out on the streets till God knows when Um, and I'm not saying that that's that a reason for someone to be stabbed or attacked or you know violently mugged or whatever and I'll get to a story about um, about muggings and stuff like that in a second but what I'm saying is the majority of the time I was in my house so when I'm in my house I'm not afraid there is no fear in my house I'm safe my house was a safe environment my home was a safe environment I didn't have to worry about someone trying to attack me so you know what I did when school finished? I took my butt home. I got on the bus, went to the, got, got to my first location, changed, and went home. I didn't do what my friends did, which was hang about in the streets and go to the shops and do all of that stuff. I went home because I knew that once I was at home, I felt safe. I was careful about hanging out in big groups because some, you'd never know who had an issue with who. There was another thing. People used to say, oh, why is a man staring me down? And they would stare him back down. And then it would escalate and turn into something else. I didn't stare at no one. Why? Because I didn't need the drama. I don't know the dude from Adam, so why am I staring at him? And you know what? If he wants to stare, that's his business. If no one is making eye contact with him, then he's staring. He's going to look a bit strange. So, but these are things that um, when you are young, people kind of drum into your head like, oh, what's so you're going to let a man stare you out? And you're, you're like, no, 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 no man's going to stare me. I ain't going to let no man stare me. I'm going to bang him in his jaw or whatever. So you start to... to react and respond to peer pressure to do things that may be out of character and guess what those out of character things will get put you in situations that where you end up reacting and acting in a way that you would never typically act and the thing is fear is such a big factor in all of this You've got the fear of being attacked. You've got the fear of not fitting in. You've got the fear of what your peers would think about you. You've got the fear of just, you know, there was even a fear of um, that. Let's not even talk about a fear of of law enforcement, because without that was another issue. There's another story there as well um, about why I can talk for days about why we as a community, as black people, do not like police officers from a young, young age. It's just our experiences with law enf- enforcement. Never been anything positive. So we build up... Our lives are dictated by this fear. You have the fear. So 
those fears that I first talked about are fears within our own communi- community. Then you want to layer on top of that the fear of being attacked by a racist group or a racist gang. There are so many layers to the fear that we f- we felt growing up. And I, I, I guarantee you that there is still kids out here, young kids out here that are dealing with the same fears. And they, um, one thing about, about, um, gang culture or, um, I don't want, it's not just gang culture, but you know what I mean? It's uh, let's call it peer pressure, whatever you want to call it. But one thing about that thing is that sense of family, that sense of protection tends to come um, because people are drawn into this because they feel protected. They feel like they've they've found a, a bond, a unit that will accept them for who they are and that will protect them at no cost. Um, you know, they will go, they will, sorry, not no cost. They will go to any, they will go, they will protect them at any cost. Sorry. They will protect them at any cost is what I mean. They will, they will do whatever it takes to protect anyone that is within their little family unit. That is the, the sentiment that, that exists. Um, but the reality is in order for you to be protected, you have to do some protecting of your own. Meaning sometimes you will be expected to go out and commit a violent act against someone you don't even know. You will be required to go out and defend the ends in a fight that isn't even yours. And guess what? You may be the person that ends up losing their life because you were out here trying to protect something that you feel is um, you're, you're trying to protect this ah oh, i don't even know how to describe what you're trying to protect but you're 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 fighting for something that really holds no value and risking something that holds all the value because your life is priceless your life is so price, priceless that the god that gave you life sent his only son to die on a cross to purchase you back from death but yet you want to throw that away by being involved in all sorts of craziness and madness and carrying blades and doing all of that. And I am not judging. I am explaining that I have been there. I have experienced it. I have um, experienced the fear. I'm not afraid to say that it my acts were driven out of fear. Now, you might turn around and tell me that, oh, well, that's you. And that you're not shook. You're not afraid. But everyone said it. When I was growing up, I said I wasn't shook. I I got into fights. I defended myself. I rocked people's jaws. That was was nothing new. But I'm not going to lie. I was afraid. There was fear. Fear drove me. Fear is a great motivator. Fear will make you put your fists up and defend yourself. Because you don't want to be knocked on your butt. So don't. You don't need to hide and pretend. The fear is real. Everyone experiences it. So, um, I said I was going to tell you another story about muggings and stuff like that. So, uh, 15 years old. 15 years old. um, My brother got this baseball cap 
from the States. I think my aunt got him this baseball cap from the States. Um, I decided I was going to go out with my friends. Uh, with one of my friends, I was rocking my ba brother's baseball cap. This Phoenix Suns baseball cap. It was a fitted baseball cap. It was nice purple with the Phoenix Sun. It was like the hand and, and the hand was holding the sun. It was, man, that, that, and the sun was sitting on the rim. It was, man, that, that hat was, hat was dope. And clearly I wasn't the only one that thought the hat was dope because some dudes, um, that went to, and, and I knew these dudes, I knew who they were. I knew who they were because I'd seen them before. Um, they went to, uh, a school, Ernest Bevin, a school that I was supposed to go to, um, but I was not allowed to go to because I knew too many of the rough people <laughs> that were in that school, and my mum was afraid that I was going to get mixed up in the wrong crowd, and she was probably right. Um, but I knew these dudes, um, I knew who they were. Unfortunately, uh, my peeps that knew them were not around as well, so they. So they didn't know that I knew certain people. Anyway, I was there. It was a weekend. I was scoping some chicks. Um, and I was chatting to these girls because I knew I knew one of them from athletics. Uh, she was with her sister. I was with my friend. We were doing the whole trying to spit game thing. Um, kind of friendly, fun banter kind of thing. We were just chilling and then these dudes rock up so i'm thinking okay these dudes just want to um these dudes just want to talk about just want to ask me about the girls and you know like they want to move in on on these girls that we're talking to so i'm like all right cool whatever anyway one rocks up to me snatches the hat off my head um uh, and tries to run for it me and I don't know why. I don't know where my brother turned up from, but my brother was there as well. But me, my friend, my brother, and I think, I can't remember if there was someone else, but we went after these guys, chased them onto a train platform. There was nowhere else for them to go. And there was this face-off, there was this standoff. And I was ready to rock. My heart, my heart was pounding. My, my, um, my heart was in my, in my throat. Um, because the adrenaline was going, like I said, every situation has a fight or flight response. So although I was there ready to fight, my heart was pounding and there was, I was still afraid. I'm not going to put it any other way. I was still afraid, but I was ready to fight. Um, and we start to go at it. And I don't know why, but my brother says, you know what, forget it, leave it, because we're right by the train tracks, there are trains coming, something mad could happen, just let it go. So we kind of back off, the guys, the train pulls into the station, the guys jump on the train, we jump on the train with them, we're watching them, looking like, should we, because I'm still thinking like, should we do something, should we do something? Um, plus I got some punches in, uh, the guy, one of the guys hit me clean. Um, I wasn't ready to, to let that go. I still wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to rock some jaws because now the adrenaline was going, but 
you know, my brother and my friend said, let's leave it. We left it. Um, now, if that thing escalated, that thing could have ended because this is and this is why I say, you know, sometimes you, you've, you've got to make the sensible decision because your ego gets involved. Now, I could have gone back and started to punch up one of these guys and he might have been unhappy at the fact that I was punching him up. And he could have drew for a blade and that could have been a completely different situation. So anyway, that was my random mugging experience. I've got another one. I was in the West End. I was um, with my friends, same friend. Uh, this was my best. This was my bestie at the time. This was my, my boy. Um, you know, we were in the West End shopping. There was a there was a big group of us. Um, but they had gone in, some of them had gone into the shop. Oh no, no, I know what it was. We, we were standing outside McDonald's getting some, um, cause we were just getting some food. Some of them were in McDonald's getting some food. Me and my boy were already outside cause we'd already got some food or we didn't want, uh, it was either we'd got some food or we didn't want some food. Um, anyway, some guy walks up to me and, and he's like, Hey, yo, 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 can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? So I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, um, uh, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said, uh, um, he, he was basically saying, can, can you, can, can you give me some money? I'm like, nah, 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 bro, I ain't got nothing for you. And he's like, what? And I'm, I'm like, I ain't got nothing for you, bruv. So he's, this guy, this guy, this dude was brave because this guy was on his ones. And so he must've thought that I was on my own and he must've thought I was like raw, easy target. So puts his arm on my shoulder, trying to walk me away. And I'm like, no, take your, take your, take your arm off me, bruv. And um, then he starts, he starts talking. He starts going, listen, give me, give me some money or I'm going to shank you. So my boy turns around and sees what's going on. Then some of my, the rest of the boys that I'm with, who were in the McDonald's, must have seen what was going on outside. And suddenly this dude is surrounded by about eight or nine boys. And the conversation suddenly shifts. So my friends are saying, so like, what's going on? Is this? And I'm like, no, no, no. You know, I said, just a misunderstanding. And I was like, it's just a misunderstanding. He he's, he he asked me he asked me something. Um, I told him I can't help him, and now he's leaving. And that situation could have again. That was a situation that could have escalated and gone a completely different direction. Because if I had said to my boys that that hey, this guy was trying to put his hands in my pocket, this guy was trying to rob, they would have banged him up clean. He would have been he would have been hurt, um, but we didn't go that route. I didn't go that route. I let it slide. I just said, you know, nah, it was nothing. So that again, that was that was another situation, um, and I'm sure there are a few other stories like that. Um, but these are these these were times where. Life-changing decisions could could have been made, and something that always sat with me was, um, 
you know, I appreciate the fact that I was in church every Sunday. I was in, I was at youth group. Um, I think it was Wednesdays. We used to go Wednesdays or Thursdays, but I used to be at youth group. Um, I was constantly being fed with the word of God. And those things reminded me of who I was, the value that was placed in me, um, the importance of who I was. I had a good message coming from home. Um, my dad was also very vocal and always said to me to avoid fighting because he said, you know, you never know what. Um, so my dad's a biochemist and he's always, always dropping the science on me. So he's just like, oh. Um, yeah, you don't know what's going on in this in the person's body. You don't know what their chemical balance is. You might do something and punch them in the head or whatever, and suddenly they're going to fall to the floor and die because they've got some other underlying condition, some chemical imbalance in their head. And, you know, you punch them and you cause some sort of chain reaction. I was thinking, I am not that strong. <laughs> I, I am not going to punch someone and and trigger some chain of events. But... The reality of it is um, you just never know what could happen is what he's that was the message he was trying to get across to me. You don't know what what could happen. And um, I guess in that as well, he was teaching me that violence is not the best way to solve your problems. Um, which is crazy because we, as kids, like I said in one episode, we used to get our butts whooped. Um, so I was like, uh, does it, yeah, a bit confusing with that message. But uh, I, I get where they were coming from. That was what the, that's what the Nigerian culture was. You whooped your kids. Anyway. Um, but yeah, that was, those were some of the experiences that shaped me. Those were some of the experiences that could have pushed me down the violent, the the violent route. A lot of the kids that I knew got involved in selling drugs, um, got involved in street life, and a number of them didn't make it. A number of them are dead. A number of them are in and out of the prison system now. Um... And it's a shame. It's a shame. But it comes down to the decisions that you make. It comes down to whether you listen to the advice that is around you. It comes down to the path that you decide to choose for yourself. Because it is a choice. It is a choice as to whether you are going to sit around and let the fear of being called a punk or being called a... Um, Whatever whatever names they want to call you. I'm not going to use any of the derogatory slurs or whatever that people use. But there are a number of names that you can be called if you choose to take to turn the other cheek. But let me put it this way. When you sometimes you've got to realize that when you turn the other cheek, generally you're the one that has the last laugh. I'm not to, I'm not saying to turn the cheek and the other cheek and be um and walk around blind and 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 not be streetwise. You have to be streetwise. Know when you can't when 
a situation has escalated to a point where you have to maneuver in a way that will preserve your life. And that's and I'm not saying to carry a weapon or to do anything like that. What I'm talking about is be conscious of your surroundings. Know that um, don't move don't move on your own. Know when you if you need to step into a police station to preserve yourself, step your butt into a police station and preserve yourself. That is what I'm talking about. Know how to navigate and how to move. Um the reality of it is this. All these people that are, that are out here that want to be calling people names or whatever. Once you put yourself into the system, once you put yourself down that path, getting out of that path is not the easiest thing. They usually say when once you start that on that violent crime, violent, um, violent crime path, there, you either end up in prison or you end up dead those are generally the two ways out especially when it comes to street life and it's crazy to me that there are so many youth um so many young people out here that believe that it's okay for their lives to be cut short it's okay for them to not to see their 21st birthday heck i'm hearing i'm tired of hearing stories about 15 16 as young as at 13 being stabbed to death, being taken away. There is another way. There is an alternative path. There is a happier path. There is a more fulfilling path. There is a path that allows you to be a light to other people's lives. There is a path that allows you to shine and to pursue the talents and the, and the purpose that was put in your life. Because every person, every individual is created with a purpose. If you exist in this world, if you exist on this planet, you have a purpose. There is a greater purpose for, for you. Your purpose is not to be, is not to end up in the grave. Your purpose is not to put someone else in the grave. There is a greater purpose in you. There are talents that have been put in you. But if you choose the wrong path, those, those talents will die in you. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing so many lives cut short with the talent that was poured into them dying in the grave. Being buried in the grave. So, um, that was... My experience, that was me talking about, you know, the things that I saw growing up. That's my take on, on violent crime. I'm just talking about one angle that um, I don't hear a lot of people talk about, which is the fear aspect of it. Like I said, um, and there was something that a pastor used to say. Um, my friend told it to me, um, and it's always stuck with me since since she first ever mentioned to me and she said fear is false evidence appearing real and um yeah i love that i love that phrase because we create we create that uh we create that picture we allow our we feed our fear we feed what traps us we create that illusion that false evidence we are the ones that create it and feed it and we allow it to to grow till it appears real in our lives 
And if we can learn to take control of that fear, um, we can set ourselves on a different path. So I just want to, I just wanted to share that. That was something, share a few of the stories from my youth, share a few of my memories from growing up. Um, like I said, uh, I made the mistake for a very, very short period of carrying a, a blade and an air pistol like an idiot. Uh, the dumbest thing I've ever done. Um, I would never encourage anyone to do anything like that. That's the, like I said, ridiculous and dumb. You get yourself in a lot of trouble. Um, it is an offense to carry um, both those things. So please do not do, not do those things. Um, and yeah, find an alternative path. As you can see, as I grew up, I became wiser. I became, um, I understood that I had a choice in the matter of how those situations turned out. I could pursue the violent path or I could take the take the other road and I'm really thankful really grateful that I took the other road because hey I'm still here today um, I want to thank everyone for you know tuning in and rocking with me on this episode again um, like I said I'll be back next week with another maybe another story uh, yeah probably be another story um but yeah we'll, we'll dig into some more things from my perspective but this was just me sharing my take on the senseless violence that we see the knife crimes and all of those things and um yeah i just want to you know send my condolences to the families of all those that have lost their young ones to this senseless violence um you know keep your heads up and with that, I'm out. Peace.